I feel like hitting a game winner is, man, it's, it's like, I, I can't put anything next to it. I'm not going to lie to you. Welcome to Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and meditation and mental training and how all this relates to having a successful athletic or coaching career and living a well-lived life. This is Billy Hansen. And making a few changes uh, to the way I distribute the podcast, I have a new website layout, which you can check out. My website is billyhansen.net, and my girlfriend helped me with the design. I think it's looking cleaner and simpler, and I I like the new design a lot. I'm also off social media again. I got back on social media because I wanted to promote the podcast, but I'm getting back in touch with the reason why I got off social media in the first place. I think social media is contributing to the dysfunction in our world, politically and otherwise. There's strong evidence suggesting that social media is contributing to mental health issues, especially amongst adolescents and young adults, and actually especially amongst adolescent girls. Uh, There's a very strong correlation between time spent on social media for adolescent girls and the likelihood that uh, the girl will practice self-harm or suicide. And I also think that it just, you know, my social deep media addiction or semi-addiction in college contributed to my own mental health issues, my anxiety and my issues with depression. And every time I get off the platforms, I just feel better in some way. It's hard to describe, but I just feel slightly psychologically better and freer. And I want to start making these points on the podcast. I think I'm going to put out some content on this stuff about my research and how the algorithms work. And it feels a little bit hypocritical to be pushing this kind of content on the very platforms that I want to recommend that young athletes spend less time on or ultimately just delete their accounts. So if social media drastically changes the way that their algorithms work, then I'll consider coming back. But for the time being, I will not be on those platforms. So given that, I'm going to be spending more time on my email list. And so I think the best way to stay in touch with my work is to subscribe to my email list. And I am going to be abandoning the Sunday newsletter and just putting out content once a week with my podcast. So... When I post a podcast, I'll be sending out an email update, and that will also include a piece of exclusive content. It'll be either a quote or a piece of my writing or just some idea that's related to the topics that I'm exploring here on the podcast. So if you want to stay in touch with my work, you should subscribe at billyhansen.net forward slash newsletter, and I will be trying to put out some great exclusive content in those emails. So I hope to see you there. Today's podcast is with Christian Little. Christian is a 6'2 guard from LaSalle High School in Pasadena, California. Christian accepted a full scholarship to go to Regis University in Denver, where he was named co-freshman player of the year as a freshman. He was then named second team All-Armac as a sophomore, and then was first team All-Armac as a junior and a senior. So he just had an absolutely stellar career at Regis. And at his time at Regis, he helped Regis win its first RMAC championship in school history. And he had a great tournament. That tournament, I was the graduate assistant that year. And he was named to the all-tournament team. 
and he broke the school record for steals and games played. He was second all-time in school history in assists and free throws made and minutes played. And an amazing stat for a guard. He played mostly point guard and also some off guard. But he was third all-time in defensive rebounds, which is incredible, and ninth all-time in rebounds in general. So he was just an amazing, all-around great player. And he was also just a unique leader. He brought incredible energy both to the court and to the locker room and to the bus rides. He's just full of energy and humor. And he's just, you know, kind of like a magnet. People just are drawn to him socially. So some of that, I think, comes through here on the podcast today. On the podcast here, we talk about Christian's basketball journey. We talk about recruiting out of high school. We talk about how he really asserted himself and his presence into the program early on as a freshman to a degree that I've never really seen before from either my teammates or the players that I've coached. So he gives advice for how to make your mark early on and to not kind of just blend in when you show up. And I think that this advice is really useful no matter what you're doing. If you're starting a new job or on a new team, I think that this advice is really actionable. So that was great. We talk about the championship season as a sophomore, and then we talk about Christian's proclivity to talk shit, and we talk about his philosophy on this and how he used it to get under the skin of the players that he played against without losing his own head. We talk about Christian's loud and demonstrative persona, and I ask him if there was any downsides to the way that he carried himself on the court and just through life in general. We talk about the influence that his mom had over his life as both a player and a person, and a bit about her background and how she's inspired him to live well, both on the court and off. And then we talk about his pursuit of a contract overseas to play professionally. He actually just signed with an agent, and he is looking for a team to play. And this is all being complicated by the coronavirus, of course, but it's going to be cool to see where he lands. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Spotify. You can send this episode to others who you think might like it. And again, you can subscribe to my newsletter. So with that, without further delay, here is Christian Little. Okay, I'm here with Christian Little. Christian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's start with, um, I guess a good time to start would be recruiting and coming out of high school. So what were your recruiting options like out of high school and what made you choose Regis? Well, out of high school, I didn't really like, you know, coming in. Well, if somebody who's never seen me play, I didn't really used to shoot the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people's knocks on me were that like I could score the ball, I could do everything, but like I couldn't spread the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have a lot of preferred walk-on positions and stuff like that. So I had a lot of those. I had one at UCR. Um, I was talking to uh, Dunlap at LMU to try to figure that out. And I was just like, man, this is like a whole bunch of guys who are, like, basically not – they want me, but, like, don't really want me. And it's like, okay, that's cool. And I came out to Denver with my dad. Uh, I never even heard of Regis. Uh, I got the call from Brady out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'd heard of Regis was that uh, DeAndre DeAndre Johnson, he was my high school friend and. um was that he was the only one I know that I ever went there. It was the only time I ever heard of the school. Yeah. And uh, DeAndre happened to be my best friend in high school, so that was kind of like a helping thing went into making the decision. But uh, So I came out to Denver with my dad, and we uh, had the visit and all that type of stuff. 
And it was just like weird to see like everybody being nice. Like it wasn't even the, the basketball aspect of it. It was just like the, the community aspect of it. Like I felt like I was on campus and people weren't forcing interactions with me. They were just like genuinely like, oh, who's he? Who's he? And how is he? And what is he about to bring to the campus? And just like really curious about me. So it was, like, it was cool to have that like welcoming presence from all the student body, the faculty and stuff like that when I visited. And I felt like it was... <clears throat> I felt like it was genuine. I didn't feel like it was, oh, that's a recruit. We got to we gotta put on a persona. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I was like, when I got here, I was like, okay. I came back home and I was like, that just felt like somebody somewhere, if I was going to go away from home, I felt like I could make that my home. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I experienced some of the same warmth of just people on campus and the overall vibe of the, the campus on my visit, and that was part of my decision too. Did you have any problems? Um giving up the d1 dream was that any was there any friction there or were you cool with it no nah, i just because i've always been one of those guys that like believes that wherever i'm supposed to be god's gonna put me like i'm kind of like i wouldn't say i'm super spiritual mm. but i would say like i just believe like certain things like that is like okay if it happens it happens nothing's gonna kill me you know what i mean i'm not gonna be like oh okay <laughs> like, i'm not gonna force something that's not gonna happen because i know a lot of i've had a lot of d1 friends i'm from la so i have a lot of d1 friends who are, des- who are desperate for that. Oh, I need to be B1. I need to do this. I need to be at that school with the name on it. And they get there, they're not even playing. They're not even, they're transferring after, after that year. But they, they committed there, look cool on the gram and all that type of stuff, but they're not even playing. <laughs> right. So I was like, I was looking at all those dudes and, and my older guys who had set that example. I was like, okay, do I want to do that? Or do I want to go somewhere where it looks like similar to LA? Cause I, I, preview downtown uh, Denver and it looked cool. They had like little city life and all that type of stuff. I'm mm-hmm. a city boy. So I was like, okay, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's not, not as bad. It's not like I'm in the country. So I was like, <laughs> thinking about it. yeah, it's like, it's cool like that. And I came out here and it was, it was just cool, man. So it's like the sports aspect of it was like the icing on the cake. I felt like Brady was honest with me. He was like, if you come here, you work hard, you will, what do you say? You will reap the benefits of your hard work. That's what, that was a, his first line. And he always said that to me. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, when I first worked out with Brady, my fat ass was two oh five. So I I couldn't even finish my my like you know how you go to your recruiting visit workout. I couldn't even finish my workout. I, I told him I had to stop. <laughs> I was like, Coach, I'm tired, but you you, you get a gist of what I can do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just like one of those things that I felt like I could make my own. I really felt like I could work hard and earn some. Not like I was going to be always working below zero, which I could have done at those other programs that like kind of wanted me, but wanted me like under their terms. Nice. Yeah. And the, did, so you showed up to Regis and at that, that season, I'm, that was my first year after being a player and I'm, um, was my first year on the coaching staff and a lot of freshmen and me, me included, we, a lot of freshmen show up to campus a little bit timid and you kind of, um, you know, you kind of are feeling out the process. You don't want, you kind of defer to the upperclassmen. You don't want to step on anyone's toes. You, you kind of just mend into the hierarchy as a freshman and you like wear that title. And then over time you, you gain more comfort and become a leader. I was struck. One of my first impressions of you was how loud you were and how comfortable you seemed socially right when you got in the locker room. And then on the court too, it looked like you were really like elbowing your way into having a presence within the program wondering if you i mean obviously it's part of your personality uh, you already can already hear that so far on the podcast but was that is that an intention that you set when you first got to campus what was your attitude like when you first showed up 
Well, I just kind of like pictured my the last time I was a freshman. So the last time I was a freshman, I was in high school. Mm. And uh, there's actually some clips on YouTube if you ever like if anybody's ever feeling like real curious. But uh, it's like Devin <laughs> in the lab, ten thousand hours. One of those episodes, I'm playing against a guard. I'm a freshman, and uh, the guard's name is Christian Carson. He's happened to be like turns out to be like one of my bigger brothers. Anyway, but like when I walked in as a freshman, the coach Winch already knew that like I was tough. But I was kind of like a city boy, so I was like, kind of like, okay, I want to do stuff fancy and stuff like that. Hmm. Like, I mean, as a freshman, I'm the only freshman on varsity, all that type of stuff, all that. Like, I'm getting all the hype already, so I'm like, okay, I'm getting some looks. So then the post tells uh, the little guys, this guy's Christian Carson's five five. Hmm. At the time, I'm six feet, six one around there. So I'm bigger than him, but he's like stronger than me by a lot. So then post, he's like, I want you to make his life hell. Whatever he did, like, he does not get past half court, none of that. And it was, like, really like that. For the first month of practice, hmm. I did not get the ball past half court without passing it. <laughs> like, I was not – if I was dribbling it, he was taking the ball from me. He was fouling me. He was just – like, it was just, like, bullying. It was, like – from that right there, kind of – it wasn't until I started, like, okay, I'm going to just use my – I'm bigger. I'm going to start using my strength. I started, like, fouling back, getting my little – and, like, started getting in their head. I was like, wait, I can do the same thing to you on defense because I can play defense too. So I started flipping that and thinking about that mindset. I was like, that's when I started uh, getting minutes and all that type of stuff as a freshman. And it was like, okay, cool. Now I can really establish myself. So then coming in as, as a freshman in college, I was like, how about I just eliminate that whole rough start part and just come in and let let them know who I am at first. Like they're going to feel me. They're going to feel my presence from the get-go. Mm. I'm planning to be a guy on this team. I'm not going to be a guy where it's who sit on the bench. I'm not planning to be that guy. You told me if I work, I could be a leader on this team. So I was like, I was thinking about that perspective that Brady gave me. I was thinking about that type of hard work. I just like, okay, I'm going to put it in and didn't figure it out. Nice. Yeah. The, did you, so you ended up um, earning, you know, a starting position midway through the season and then were named co-freshman player of the year. Did that surprise you to have so much success right straight away? Uh, did that exceed your expectations, or is that what you'd set your sights on right when you got there? Well, I set my sights uh, because I, when I came on my visit, I'd met with uh, Jared Brodbeck, who was the freshman of the year the year before. Yeah. So um, he'd already talked to me about it. We'd worked out a few times before we before we actually started practicing and stuff like that. And uh, he told me, he's like, man, with your skill, there's no way you shouldn't be able to do the same thing. So I'm like, okay, that's the kind of like the mindset he'd already framed for me before he even started season, started official practice and all that good stuff. Mm. So then I'm coming in like the starting shooting guard, the guy who leads them in scoring, he already has that belief in me. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if he believes me like that, I should believe myself like that. So then the success part, it was cool. The co part was like, it was pretty weak to me. I felt like, damn, I should have maybe shot some more since I got the co, so I could just have, you know, <laughs> years, 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 years. but you know, oh, it's accolades and whatever you feel good sometimes yeah yeah well good so then now you're you enter into your sophomore season as an established good player in the armac and the starting point guard um yeah and then you know the, the beginning of that season that was my second year as a coach and i'm a full-blown ga that season and we got off to you know we had a lot of talent on that team we could already tell from the beginning of the season with with the four you know but, you know, I think all four of you were all Armac players at one point. You, Ty, Dexter, and Jarrett. And then not to mention Beastie, Avante, and then some great role players with Birdo and some other guys. Like, um, and, you know, the, the, yeah, Thomas and Brian, the freshmen, were great too. It's just t- totally, totally stacked team. Um, bit of a rough start. And then 
went on that huge winning streak. What do you think was, what do you think uh, made the difference that season when you guys or us, when we finally started to hit our stride? Wow, that season was actually, it was just like everybody really bought in. Yeah. It was one of those things that like, we were, we were having meetings, like team meetings without the coaches there. Like we were just like, all right, we got to fix something. Mm. We were having green room meetings. Like we're just writing offenses on the board. What needs to be tighter? We're doing all this stuff on our own. Mm. And it was kind of one of those things that I think it was a, a trickle effect because uh, Jared and I had gone to this um, leadership you type seminar that we had to attend. We were like, wasn't we weren't mandated, but it kind of made us go because uh, we're the captains on our team. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, when we went to that, it kind of everything we worked on throughout the weeks, we would bring it back to, to the team and we'll try it on the team. You know what I mean? So I think that was one thing that really helped with that team. We would always have like these little uh, team building exercises that we would take from that, from the guy who literally gets paid to do this. We would take them and use it on our team and it would actually be beneficial and stuff like that. We get a lot of productive stuff. Everybody would feel like their voice was heard and stuff like that. So that way, when you're on the court, I, this is what I feel like. I feel like that way, when you came on the court, no matter where you're like, okay, say, Berto, you're starting, you know, you're coming in, you're coming in as lock dudes down. Like, you, you know, you're coming in, okay, I'm going to shoot 30 shots, which that could have been Berto's game, but that wasn't his game for that team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, when you come in and do your thing, the fact that you know your guys trust you, do what you're going to do, you're just like, okay, I'm going to do it for these guys because we're all bought in. But I feel like that's what really decided that run and like really kickstarted it because everybody started working harder, being more consistent in the practice, and everybody's just, oh, that's what, it, oh, that was like the biggest thing. In practice, we really started like going at each other. Like there weren't there weren't too many practices where somebody wasn't bickering or about to fight and somebody stepping it in. You know, Brady's like a conflict resolution guy. He he lets it go right to where it needs to be. So you let him know, like, okay, you're gonna battle a little bit. We're not gonna back down. See who's gonna back down first. So it's like we had those real bickering practices where we hated each other to come in the locker room, hug each other out, cracking jokes and talking about whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. That type of stuff was what really brought us together. And then on the outside, like one thing I think about sports that uh, really helps, I think, for life is like the team building outside of life. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, outside, outside of the outside of the court, not outside of life. Uh, like because we would do everything together. I, like we would go eat together. We would go out together. We do literally we go to the hospital together. One of us has surgery. We're in the hospital bed. The whole thing's packed. They're like, oh, we, you guys are maxing out the room. Some of you guys got to step out. Like, you know what I mean? We're doing all that type of stuff together. And it's like when you form that type of brotherhood where somebody's like relying on you, counting on you to do your part. And that like kind of comes with a lot of responsibility. You know what I mean? Because that's not only like doing your your part on the court, but that's making sure you could be on the court. You know what I mean? Like being able to be eligible. So that's like one thing like Avante, talented as he was, we would always be on his ass. You know, like on on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. or uh, like for his grades and stuff like that, because we knew how talented he was and we knew we needed him. So we're not like, oh, okay, that's cool that you're doing, uh, like which most friends are going to let you do. They're going to be like, they're not going to be your parents. No, we're going to be your parents because we need you to play with us. We want, <laughs> we love you. We love you enough to get on, get on you, but you know that we need you to play with us. It's like That type of stuff was, I think, the difference between like that championship team and going on that run where we just ran all those wins off, like the teams before, because I felt like, People were willing to listen to each other. Yeah, that's interesting. I, so, yeah, I quickly I want to ask you about the, the next two seasons because I wasn't there for those two, but I watched the games. But quickly, how, yeah. how was it like to to play in the, you know, the, I felt like the Armac Championship game at Fort Lewis was a really special game. What was it like playing 
on their home court in a court that they hadn't lost at in over two seasons as the underdog. What was your mindset like going into that game? Well, so we'd we'd actually uh, lost a game to them like prior, and we had we had been a, up I think eleven points with seven minutes left to go in the game. They yeah. brought it back. We ended up losing in overtime. That was the game. That was the second game when they beat us at home. Yeah. So like we had that fresh on our minds, and we were like we were tricking it off like the night before, not getting no sleep, whatever. Like not focused for the game. We were we didn't come to that game prepared mentally. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. we still have like. Well, miraculously, we were whooping them, and then ended up tricking the game off. So we were like, okay, okay, we can't, we can't let a team beat us three times in a row. That's they're not better than us. Three times in a row is like, okay, the team's just flat out better than you. Yeah. We don't come out here. Nobody's in this crowd but us. Like you know what I mean? We're gonna do. And it was crazy. Like I had cut my hair, my own hair, the day before with my own clippers. I just had like an army cut. So like when I came into the, came into the game, the crowd was just on my haircut, ripping me, trying to get me. I was like, oh my god, who cut your hair with a button like this? Everything I'm getting everything. So it's like just that atmosphere, and like knowing me, that like that was probably like the best thing for me. I'm not gonna lie. Like if I would have come in there and it was quiet, I probably would have been a little more nervous. But they're coming in just like everybody talking. It was like it was probably like one of the best things that could happen because like LA game, I, like I could never forget this feeling right here. Me and Jared were in the game, and I'm like. I'm looking at him. I think Ty's at the free throw line. Mm. We just look at we look at look at each other. And we just look at the score. Like, all right, we're like actually about to win right now. <laughs> like, hold on. Like, I think that's when we realize like we're actually up in this game. We're about to win. So then, yeah. next thing you know, I just start going crazy in the crowd. Like, I walked to the crowd. I was like, it got real quiet in here. Like, just talking like just chirping yada yada yada. That's that, that whole vibe. I wanted to get back to it. But, you know, it's you know, it's, it's you know, it's life's life. You know. Yeah, yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful moment that was. First championship in school history, and that that long, fun bus ride home. That was that was really special. What, um, yeah. So let's the, the following two seasons. Um, was was it was there any letdown? Like you guys had good seasons, and especially when it's funny because like um, after the years that I played through at Regis, where we were bottom dwellers, getting blown out by thirty. Like when I look at a season that you had junior and senior year, like first team all RMAC and in the playoffs, like competing and stuff, I mean, it just looks like an amazing season. But I understand for you after having won a championship, I'm wondering what um, what your impressions are after those seasons have finished. Did they live up to your expectations? Were they some part of it? Uh, were they somehow a disappointment? And you mentioned that you didn't feel the same kind of cohesion that you felt as a sophomore as a sophomore. So what do you think of those two seasons now that they're done? Um, that junior year was really tough. I'm not going to lie. We had a big guy, key guys leave like key leadership. Actually, like we had, um, beastie leave. We had Dexter leave. We had Bertley. We had all like our senior guys that like we really relied on in those times to just really spaz on us and get us all in check. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. then we had some freshmen come in, but like some freshmen who were contributors. Like we had Tony come in. Um, we had BD really starting to contribute and contribute, you know what I mean? Like and be a guy, you know what I mean? We had Robbie come in. We had like a whole bunch of new personalities and stuff like that. And, um, one of the biggest things was like trying to mesh that all together. I'm not gonna lie, it didn't really work out for the longest of time just because we have like me, I like playing with me. It's I feel like I'm a guy who could just like always figure out how to play with other people, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't need to get 
15 shots if I know my guy needs 15 shots, and that's what's going to make him play hard on both sides. You know what I mean? I'm getting the rock, and I know he's efficient. Because, like, I felt like as looking back on it as a captain and looking like what I always had to kind of mesh between, I felt like I had to mesh between the superstars, I guess. You know what I mean? Like the guys who, like, let us in scoring and stuff like that. Mm. You know, like they were bickering and kind of competing for shots, and they were competing with each other. So I felt like when you're competing with each other, like, but like not in the positive way. Like you're competing with each other. Like oh, who's scoring more points and who's doing this? But against the other team, like you guys are not supposed to be competing like that. Yeah. I was like, you know what I mean? I just felt like the whole energy was off in those seasons, and that that's why we like didn't really execute when we needed to. Yeah. Um, junior year, we got the uh, second round. Kind of picked it up like towards the playoffs. I didn't really feel good that whole year. I didn't really have like too many good games that year. I think I I shot, but that was the only year I ever shot below fifty. My career, I was like forty nine, but still it was below fifty. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like one of those things where I just didn't feel the energy that whole season like it was going to be good. And we even had an opportunity to go. Uh, everything happened right that could have happened for us in the playoffs. Like we won first round. We went to Mines, which is 20 minutes down the, down the way or 25 minutes down the way. Mines lost. Uh, what you would call it? Black Hills lost. And all we had to do was beat uh, – New Mexico Highlands, and they were the seventh seed, and we were the second seed. They had those great guards, right? Yeah, they had those guards that were going, though. Yeah. But it's like, all we had to do was beat them, and we would have been smooth sailing in the championship, and we just tricked it off. That press, it's just off stuff like that, where we just kind of get rattled under pressure, I think stemmed from us folding on each other in practice. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, those practices weren't like, we had a lot of practices where we would just like, coach would just end in practice. He'd be like, all right, this is not a good practice. It's done. Get on the line. Mm. That was. I felt like that happened too many times that year. Yeah, and we had guys who had missed practice, all that type of stuff, and I was responsible too. Like I was responsible for just not being as focused as I needed to be as a leader. I'll take a lot of blame for that. Yeah, that's so, interesting. And you, yeah, but in any case, you know, four great seasons and what a great career you had, and um, it was really fun watching you develop and, and the ways that you did. I want to get into some of the like. I want to drill down on a few things just about the way you were as a player here. So. Uh, let's talk about talking shit and like your philosophy yeah. on that, uh, because you did that all the time in practice and games. And again, part of your personality. And I don't think everybody can pull this off. Like I certainly, when I found myself talking shit, it was usually kind of reactive and it was in response to somebody else. And I think a lot of players who think they can talk shit are actually just distracting themselves. But there are some players who I've noticed like, like you and like Noah King who, um, are able to do it and keep their head. And it's like a, you know, you hear about some of the NBA players who could do that, like Reggie Miller, who could kind of push their opponents over the edge while they remained kind of cool headed. And I, in your best moments in your career, that's what you were doing. Um, so how was, you know, is that something you always did? What, what was your, wh- why were you so adamant about cultivating that friction on the court? Was it a way to motivate you? Yeah. Like, so what, what was your talking shit philosophy? Well, it's all, kind of stem from my uh, LA background I think that's just like growing up in LA that's like all you do that's like <laughs> that's you come to LA that's like I'm probably I talk a lot but that's just you, know, you come into a, a quiet gym you're not in LA hmm. somebody's yelling somebody's about like you come in an open run and somebody's not about to fight that means it's not a good run like hmm. it's just everybody's always talking it's like I feel like you're not really fighting for that game you're not really putting your whole life on it. like okay I've worked harder than you I'm better I'm better than you at this game like I have let's see you put Excuse me. Let's see who put the most work in. Let's see who did this, and that's just kind of what always got me going. 
And like one thing I always noticed was that in games that I knew or I felt like we were going to win, like say like a, a game like CCU, hmm. it would be tough for me to like really get going. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like I like to compete. So if I know we're going to beat a team by 30, and it was weird because Jared would always get cra- – like he would go crazy in those games. I'd be like, I don't know how you do it. Like I, these games aren't even fun to me. <laughs> the games that are fun to me are like the games where we're at somebody else's crib, everybody's standing like they're yelling they're calling me all types of names all that type of stuff we just get to beat them like that's those are the games that are fun to me you could just talk and just like bicker and like you score a bucket and you're yelling in the crowd like that that type of stuff is like stuff that makes basketball fun for me it's like another team just hates you it's like one of us gotta lose one of us gotta win and it's like but then at the end of the game you're like okay it's a good sport you can battle it out you're a hell of a competitor i love those type of games that's like those type of things are what used to get me going to practice would ultimately let me do all the things that I was able to do at Regis. Like, I led us in, I think I got us an all, all-time all steals leader or something like that at Regis, something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you see me in practice, it's like, that's what I do. Like, yeah. people always talk about what I could do on offense and stuff like that. My favorite thing to do is play defense. Yeah, the way the way you, like, so psychologically manipulated other guards in the league, it was kind of hilarious. My favorite was when you'd, like, rip the ball from someone not even steal it, but like grab it from them and like scream at them as they ran back down the court. Give me that. Uh, it was always hilarious from the bench seeing that. Um, so next, yeah, kind of a related question. So you have this persona about you where it's kind of this, um, I would call it like arrogance, but it's it's a self-aware enough to where it's like endure, it's endearing and you're still very likable. Um, and and it seemed to have really helped you in basketball. I'm wondering if, because I was a, a very different kind of player, a little bit more reserved um, and just had kind of a different attitude on the court. I'm just curious, do you think that there are any downsides? Did, did, did that kind of attitude get get you in trouble at all throughout your career? And did you develop it at all from like your freshman year to your senior year? Did you evolve in any way? Uh, Yeah, that attitude kind of like, sometimes it would hurt me just because, I would start kind of building myself up so much in terms of talking and stuff like that. Mm. And I would kind of set these high expectations that I would always have to have basically. So I was like, I felt like if I had a bad game after talking all that much, I was much harder on myself than I should have been. And like after bad games, like instead of just moving on, I would dwell on games sometimes. And I think that was because of the attitude i'd like kind of developed about myself and like who i was who i was to people and how they perceived me and it was like that kind of created that expectation for myself in my own brain so i was harder on myself like in a lot of games like i had a game where i was five for 20 mm. against four lewis and i was like although like that's a terrible game that's the only game i've ever shot like that in my life but then yeah. the next game i came in and i just like i couldn't even sh- shoot the ball like i was like they were begging me to shoot i was like i didn't even want to play basketball so it's like that type of stuff. I never lose my love for the game just because of what I've got going on mentally. Like this basketball is supposed to be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And then are there any other attitude shifts? Like, so try to compare yourself between senior year and freshman year. How did your attitude towards the game or towards life in general evolve as your career went along? Um, and you could take this in a number of ways. So like you could also say like what what advice would you give yourself entering freshman year that might have saved you some trouble? Uh, I would say that I would try to like be more consistent. Like I was consistent, 
but there were also times that I would show that I can get away with things because I was like of who I was, you know what I mean? But like I would get away with say like, uh, like I would come, like say we have afternoon practice. I could come maybe 10 minutes earlier, but I'd get away with coming like and grabbing a snack before practice and coming like 10 minutes later while they already started and walking in. I'm only missing warmups. It was just that little, like the, that little sudden thing that you're doing where you're showing up late after everybody else, but kind of creates a divide. So it's like kind of making sure that you're feeling like you're equal with your teammates. That's like the biggest thing I would say was my biggest attitude shift over the years. Mm, um, I didn't really change in terms of my like coding down my intensity or nothing like that because that's kind of like been uh, not coaches, but like people have always said like sometimes you need to be a little soft, softer or like nicer to your players. And like, I'm not going to say I'm like Michael Jordan or like that, but like I've always had that like mentality. It's like, if you can't take it from me, somebody who loves you and you know it's not going to hurt you. What's you going to like? How are you going to be able to take it from somebody who legit hates you and doesn't know anything about you? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I wouldn't actually hurt you. This is all to beast you up. So mm-hmm. it's like, when I come in with that mentality, I want people to follow suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. certainly, I mean, you, you were, you definitely became the, the, like the social leader and a leader on the court. And it, I know, I know from being a player too, like I, I, you know, I'll talk about Noah too as another great leader. And um, I really looked like us players who are more role players, we really look for that kind of energy, someone who's going to be confident and talk shit and bring that, um, that energy when everyone else might be a little bit more um, unsure of themselves, if that makes sense. So definitely saw that in you in the court. Another question I had. So one of the Thanksgiving dinners that we had, I, ended up in a conversation with your mom for, I think we, think we talked for like an hour and I just was struck that she seemed like a, a special person and I saw a lot of you and her and then I later found out that she was very, she's been very successful in business and other ventures. Um, I'm curious, what ways do you think that she influenced you? And it, yeah, it just seems like you, you have these kind of principles that are uncommon amongst college athletes. I'm wondering if um, there's anything that sticks out for things that she instilled in you as a player and as a person. Um, she always just really let me know my worth, I guess. Like she just kind of just let me know, like even with basketball, even like when I had something that whenever I did something with basketball, she always says, you know, that's not your only talent. Like that's her biggest thing. It doesn't matter what I do in basketball. She'd be like, you know, you can do other things, hmm. but you are, you are good at basketball. So it's kind of just, my mom's built me up so much that I like I've just expected to do things well and it's always had an impact on my life and just how she's been because my mom's an immigrant so she came here when she was 15 from Cameroon Africa oh wow uh, she didn't know any English she didn't know any of that she came here she was an orphan um, with her sister they were both in separate orphanages and stuff like that so she like the way that she's been able to teach herself in like not teach herself like she learned through high school and stuff like that but learn English and um become a citizen and do what she's been able to do in terms of financial income and all that type of stuff. It's very impressive to me, impressive to me. And it's inspiring. And I'm, I feel like I'm at an advantage because I'm a citizen. I'm a male, you know, it's in society. You know what I mean? That you feel, although we ignore that or like, we don't want to say that, that the, there's a gender inequality. We can see it in the pay and stuff like that. Males are at an advantage in the business yeah. world. stuff like that. So knowing that I have these advantages over my mother, like just before I just offered society, I think it would be like in my best favor to use what she's done and try to piggyback off it and do better, I guess. You know what I mean? So I've always just kind of like aimed to do better than my mom, even though 
in college, she's a freaking genius. She was expected uh, she was accepted to Berkeley and all those schools and stuff like that. So. Where did she end up going to college? Did she go to Berkeley? She went to uh, UC Riverside. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Nice. And she got her master's from USC. So. Okay. And what what exactly is she doing now? Um. So she works in real estate. She owns properties, and then she also works as like a contractor for construction. So what she does is she does proposals for who's gonna get the subcontractors and who's so. She used to work for Hathaway Hathaway Dinwiddie. They built mm. the Nokia Center right across the street from the Staples Center. Mm. Yeah. So she used to do that and just do proposals. She hires subcontractors, and then she's also in charge of making sure that um, a certain demographic, like black, Latino, whatever, white, is whatever, is a certain percentage of them are in the workforce for certain projects. Mm. That's also her. Yeah, it's badass that she yeah came as a – I didn't know she came as an immigrant at 15 and uh, was able to have so much success. That's incredible. Um, that's cool. So, yeah, so now you're, you know, your playing career is finished, and – what are your goals going forward? I know you've told me before you're trying to play pro, right? Correct, correct. I just signed with an agent last week. Uh, his name is Carlos Foz. Congratulations, He's, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, boss. So the plan is you keep shopping me around, sending my film around, and see what team picks me up. Because like, my mindset is uh, I'm really going to like see where basketball can take me. Uh, basketball has been one of those things where it's brought me here and like all the people that I've met in Colorado I'm like I would have never met them if I stayed back home and like mm-hmm. if you know me coming in before this like you would never think that I would leave LA to go to school nor even contemplate staying out here like after leaving LA like that's one of my like decisions right now I'm deciding should I leave, move back to LA or stay in Denver and right now Denver's winning <laughs> it's mm-hmm. crazy as I would say you know what I mean yeah and then with the pro stuff, I signed with that, and then we're just going to see that. And then um, I'm just going to wait till I get a contract. So my mindset going in with that is because um, most guys don't really get paid much going out to overseas, their first contracts, especially rookies and stuff like that. Mm. So like my mindset going in is kind of like I'm just going in to really play basketball and earn, like just like I've done wherever else I've played, is like earn my way to like being a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've never really traveled the world. The only place I've been outside of the country is the only places I've been are Mexico and Canada. Mm. So, like, I haven't really, like, traveled the world as much as I feel like I could have. But I feel like this is an opportunity to let what I love guide my direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's been my whole life. And it's like my body's healthy, knock on wood. And um, I met some great people that are going to put me in some great positions. I feel like so I'm very trusting and stuff like that. Then after basketball, I'm looking to just come back and do like the real estate route. That's like my real big thing. Nice, that's yeah, awesome. So. Yeah. And do you have any, do you have any preference on where you go? Are you looking Europe, Australia? Do you care much? Or are you just trying to find the best fit as a team, or do you have somewhere on the map that you're pointing to that you're trying to end up in? Well, I want to play in Spain at first, just because I feel like that's best one of the best funnels into the Euro League, which is like the best league in mm-hmm. all of overseas. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's one of the best funnels in terms of like they'll look at who you played and the numbers you put up against that, and they'll be like, okay, we can judge his skill on that and gauge whether he's able to play with us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like my goal with that. I'm gonna start out there and kind of see where it takes me from there. And um, I'm pretty excited just because I've never really had an opportunity to just play basketball. No school, no other obligations. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You you fuck with Spain, man. I, I spent. A, like uh, five weeks there after I graduated doing like I was working at a 
kids camp and then I got to travel around through Europe and yeah, I really love Spain. It was dope. Um, be interested to see, yeah, where you end up. Um, well, what else was I forgot? Fuck, I forgot what I was going to ask. Hold on a second. No, dude, I, mean, I keep forgetting, like, at the, I'll start getting on a tangent, I'll forget what the what the original question was, I've been talking so long. <laughs> uh, I had a good one, too, one second, it'll come to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and what, um, do, do you know, like, how is coronavirus, you may not know this, I don't think anyone knows this, but, like, have you spoken to your agent about how coronavirus might affect you finding a contract, or whether or not basketball is even going to be played in the next couple years? It's got to be kind of a... a uncharted territory for a lot of people right now absolutely so that's one of the things that we're actually talking about with my agent is that with the nba and the g league and all that type of stuff they normally have a summer league mm-hmm. and how it works is like the guys who don't get picked up with a g league team or summer league team for the nba they normally go straight overseas like those are normally like the first pick for the overseas because those are like the guys who went to kentucky those like you know what i mean right but like say like the kentucky sixth man instead of a starter you know what i mean yeah. So it's like that's kind of going to affect it because since that's not happening, they don't know who's going to be go- getting drafted, who's going to be going overseas. That kind of puts a strain on what teams can pick up other players. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of one of those things that I don't think they're going to be worried about not having a season, but it's more of worried about the budget and what players, how many spots are going to have available and all that type of stuff because it's going to be such a postponed finding out you know what i mean yeah definitely yeah that's got to be weird gray area that a lot of people are in and what are you doing right now to train are you able to find a gym um i guess things are starting to open up now but um what's your training regiment look like these days well just been running running and working out like i'm not one of those people that gains weight that much anymore just because i've really been watching my diet so it's like I used to have a really bad diet right before I came into college and that was one of like the biggest things I learned from Brady is like with the way you work out, the way you sleep and how fast paced you live life, you don't eat right, it's not gonna be beneficial. It's like I've really been trying to watch my diet and stuff like that. And then um with sports and stuff like that, we got some weights from our weight room and uh, we just been working out and stuff like that at the house and running. I don't know what my basketball game's looking like right now because I haven't been touching the basketball as often as I should be. They just opened up like our parks and gyms and stuff like that. Yeah. So I've been getting like some form shots, some hand I've been getting a lot of handle work in, so my handle's still tight. It's always gonna stay crispy. Yeah. So, yeah, all, the pass is gonna stay right always. But like say yard prison my touch might be a little off a second, but it'll get back. You know, I'm gonna shoot shoot on some double rims and find it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting actually between my uh, junior and senior year so you know, Brady came in before my uh, senior year, and um, he, we had like a tryout, and this was after we had gone like one and sixty-five the last three years or whatever, and I hadn't played very well, and so I'm worried that I'm going to get cut, I'm going to lose my scholarship, and I ended up doing pretty well in the tryout, and he kept me around partly because I could split my scholarship into half academic uh, before my senior season, and I, I think I just had a good reputation as being a good teammate, but basically he said like you're going to um we're going to keep you around as long as you're going to be like bring a good attitude and be a good teammate regardless of how much you play the following year and so i was like yes absolutely thank you i'm I'm super happy to be back on the team but i didn't expect to be like a player like a like a player on the team so i ended up taking a instead of doing my normal training that summer which i used to you know train really hard in the summers i ended up taking an internship in peru and i was so i spent the first half of the summer 
in Peru, like volunteering for um, poor children, doing tutoring, like math tutoring. And then in my free time, I was backpacking and exploring Peru. And it was the longest I had gone without touching a basketball. And I worried. I was like, God, all my teammates are going to be so much better than me next year because mm-hmm. I'm not training. And it was weird, man. Like, I, it, A, it was like it was the first it was the first time that i had actually like been outside of my training i had been since like elementary school i had been always trying to get better and so i got some like perspective on my basketball career being outside of it for a little bit and then i got back and within a you know i was definitely a little out of shape my shot was a little weird to begin with but within a couple of weeks my shot actually felt better than it had in like a long time it was right. this, and so now i when i talk to players i actually recommend like once a year you should try to take a break like an extended break like a break that makes you uncomfortable because i think that you know it only happened to me once so maybe it was random but i really think that that helped me a lot because my senior year i ended up starting and having a good season and it was partly just because i i fit really well with brady's system but also i think that that break and my new training that summer helped so be interesting to see if you get back into the gym how your shot feels and how your game feels it might surprise you that you feel a little bit better um, what did you, what did you generally do? Like when the season ends, when you left for an off season, did you get right into training really hard? Or did you, did you take a little bit of time off? So I normally take that two weeks that Brady gave us and then I just start pushing the limits. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's interesting that you say that the break really helps because that championship year, I like right before we came back that summer, I had taken like a three week break from basketball. Where I didn't even touch a basketball. I was in Michigan with my family Yeah. and I was just you know, just chillaxing, you know, yeah. days, like days of my <laughs> grandpa and uh, my cousins, you know what I mean? And my parents and my family, it was just like a great vibe. And I think that type of stuff just kind of like, oh, now that you think about it, now you say it, I've been thinking about it, I think it does benefit you a lot, you know what I mean? Just like relieve that stress, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to hear, you know, a lot of players will hear that and use it as a rationalization to just be a total fucking loader for the entire summer. That's obviously not what, what we're recommending, but right. a little bit of a break, I think can serve a player well. So I'd be interested to see how your game feels. And obviously a lot of players aren't able to shoot right now too. So it's not even like you're losing ground, but yeah, man. Um, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah. All right, man. What, uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I've been asking a lot of the guests, Kobe, LeBron or Jordan. Okay, Kobe Bryant. Okay. <laughs> That's where uh, to play basketball. You know that. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one too, but uh, Drake, J. Cole, or Kendrick? Oh, my God. <laughs> Drake. All right, you're the first person to say Drake, so yeah. And, uh, you're, yeah everybody you're, else in your podcast doesn't know music. And you're wrong about it. Uh, oh. what, what's your favorite album to come out in the last year or so? Ooh, ooh favorite album to come out in the last year? <laughs> year or so it might be it's either dom tolliver's joint mm. oh or what was my album of the year last year 2019 i don't know what was yours what was yours ah oh, man good question i really liked i don't even know if it's been a year but i, I really fuck with um uh was swimming was the swimming 2018 or 19 Oh, if that came out in the last year, then definitely swimming. Okay. That whole drive, I came. So I drove my car out here my junior year. And that whole drive, I'm listening to the swimming album straight through. I listened to the album at least like 14 times. I swear. Wow. Yeah, well, that was great. Yeah. It really is. What's your favorite track on that album? 
got to be come back to earth. It's just, uh, it's my, I think it's pretty short, but it's just, it's so crazy to me just because he wrote that before he died. And it just felt like once I heard it, he was talking to himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And even the, the new album, the, the posthumous, has that posthumous? I probably mispronounced that, but the, the album that came out after he died, some of that's kind of eerie, man, what he's talking about. Like, yeah, it was just, it was like a very, I think my, my brother described the swimming album as someone like dying peacefully. That was like what it reminded him of. And yeah, kind of trippy. Um, all right. I know you're way into music. So my rapid fire questions are music based. What's your favorite Frank Ocean song? Uh, it's probably Nights, but I got that slowed version at the end. You know the one I sent you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, so, like, that ending is kind of pretty crazy to me. Either yeah. that one or Self Control. But, like, Self Control, you know, you like, you know how you, like, listen to a song and, like, it kind of makes you think about somebody? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so that one's, that one's got to be two. Nice. Yeah, those are, I think, <laughs> I think Nights is my favorite, too. It's amazing. Yeah, Nights has got to be up there. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice to a high school senior who's going through the recruiting process and trying to find a good fit and a successful career, what would it be? Uh, I would say to email coaches. That was one thing I never did. Mm. My dad would always be on me. My coaches would always be on me. Like email coach, and I was like, man, if the coach wants me, they're gonna come to me. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, that's that was just always my mindset. Like, if I, I'm good enough that my talent's gonna reveal itself, and I feel like. That's probably one of those things that could have helped. We talk about me going low D1. There's probably several schools that didn't even know who I was, you know what I mean? Just because I was all the way in California. I didn't play on, like, a huge AAU team and stuff like that. Mm. So it's like I would have probably emailed those teachers, I mean, those uh, coaches who would have known what would have happened. So I would just say email coaches, get outside of your comfort zone, don't have a problem, like, shopping yourself out. You never know if you don't try. You know? Nice, yeah. Uh, how has a, a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Favorite failure of mine? Oh, well, my favorite failure, I, it kind of happens often. It's like, it's when I miss a game winner. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. It's like, I always get mad when it happens, but it's like, I'd rather be mad at myself that I miss it. I always say this to everybody because when I make it, I feel like I'm on top of the world. That feeling, that feeling of hitting a game winner is, man, it's, it's, like I, I can't put anything next to it. I'm not gonna lie to you. So just like that failure right there always humbles me. It's not something that I'm ever like, oh okay, I just missed. Every single time it eats me the same way, and I'm like not sleeping that night. I'm like <laughs> I, I literally like come back to the gym that night of a game and I shoot that same shot a hundred times. Like it's every time every, every time I miss it, unless unless we're like not at home and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like uh, that failure in basketball, and I think that persistence is kind of always gonna trickle down in every other area of my life. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah, I love that. And favorite moments in your basketball career so far? Oh, definitely our Mac championship. That was a nice one. Um, another one was actually uh, this year, Metro, because uh, they were talking crazy all summer. And mm. they, beat us, they beat us in summer league, too, actually, on a buzzer beater. Mm. They had some... Uh, some kid come from he's like a CU Boulder transfer or something like that. Some white kid. And I was like, okay, cool. He's tough. Like I'd never seen him play. He had game all this stuff. Locked me up and everything. I think I only had like 10 points in some league game. Hmm. This year. And uh we busted them. Like like at the end it just we just took over and it just like the whole bench was lit. Everybody was there and like all my friends were there and all it was it was a great vibe, man. Nice. And then uh what's another one? There's a couple, man. That's a that's a damn. That's a tough. 
best basketball moment. Ooh. I remember your uh, I remember your game winner at Mines was pretty fucking dope. Oh yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy because I had just airballed right before that shot. Mm. That that's like a perfect perfect example of that failure question that you just asked me before. Mm. The shot before they had picked it to me and there was like three seconds on the or like maybe like six. Like six seconds on the shot clock. And uh I had an open lane, but instead of driving it, which is like I'm a driver at this time, like I probably made only like four threes that whole year, some shit like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. like uh I get the ball, I launch it. I'm like, I don't care. Like it's a it's a tie game at this point. Like we're down one. Like it was a close game or something like that. Yeah. And I just yeah. launch it. Airball. <laughs> they come down. <laughs> they come down. They they score. We call a timeout. It was like, what the hell? Why'd you shoot that little? I was like, man, I felt it. <laughs> like, I ain't gonna lie to you. It felt good. So you know me. I'm not gonna lie to you. If it felt good. It felt good. And then it's crazy because we get the ball again. We're down one. Like I just miraculously popped out this way. They turn it over. We got the ball back. And uh, coach draws up the play again for me. So, like, I already know Jared's hot. Like, Jared's like, this dude just airballed. <laughs> He's getting the play drawn up for him. It was like, so, but then he coach flipped it a little bit to put Jared, like, you know, replacing the screen so he didn't get that upset. You know what I mean? The play yeah. was for me. <laughs> and I just hit that joint. I was like, man, I got fouled all over that play, but I'm going to get it. It rolled all over the rim. Man. Oh, no. Yeah, that was definitely one. That's one. That's one. Yeah, that was awesome. All right, man. Oh, well, yeah, that's all I got. Did we miss anything? I don't think so, man. I think we're all good. All right, man. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'd love to get you back on midway through your uh, professional career. So it'll be, it'll be fun to follow you, too, as you keep going. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, Thanks man. Thanks for having me, boss. You got it. Take care. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. This is the best way to stay in contact with my work, as I'll be sending out new podcast announcements along with other written content. You can also support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, or sending the podcast to someone who you think might like it. Thank you for listening and for your support. It's a sauce.